Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. You well this morning? Well, hey, it's such an honour uh, to be here. And uh, I just want to say that uh, just quickly before we get into intros and the word, just in case you didn't know, you are in one of the great churches in Australia. You are in one of the great churches in Australia. There's a, there's a fair few big churches, but there's not every church has humble pastors. And you have humble, kind, anointed pastors. I want to honour them this morning, Pastor Ken and Chrissy, ministering in Manila. Come on, you can honour your senior leaders. Um, love them. I also have a confession to make. Uh, we were just hanging out in Bustleton with the youth team. It was unreal. But the youth team have stolen my, my larynx. My, my voice is leaving me. So a couple of times in this sermon, if I get pumped, it, my voice is going to crack. And what I need you to do is not laugh at me. Okay, I was on the phone to my wife last night and she's like, you sound like you're going through puberty again. Um, but, so that's fun. But I also wanna welcome all the people online. We love you. We wish you were here. We miss you. We miss your scent. We miss cuddling you. But it, we hope you're having a great day. And also Scarborough and Belmont, we love you. Uh, you're amazing. Thanks for beaming me in this morning. I don't know. But uh, it's just so good to be here. And I think God's gonna do something special. And what I wanna ask you is, let's not just have a little church service. Let's, let's, let's encounter God. Let's, let's, I, I, I just feel like church should be enjoyed, not endured. I think we can have some fun. We can laugh. We can open the scripture. And then we can encounter him in a real and tangible way uh, all before 10.30 p.m. And then you can go out into your foyer that's the size of my church and have coffee. And I'm not bitter. I'm just bitter. And so... <laughs> um, as uh, Pastor Shannon said, who has been raptured... Um, uh, I am married, sorry ladies, and um, I'm just kidding, <laughs> and uh, I've been married to love my life next March for 10 years. Uh, I lost five wedding rings in a year, uh, swimming and, and all this sort of thing, so I've just tattooed an A, so um, Anna likes to say she's branded me, um, and so I think, I don't know, I think we've got a picture of, of me and my wife, just want to just quickly bless your eyes, look at her there, uh, look, at, look at the way she's looking at me. That's right. And, uh, and six weeks ago, uh, we had our first uh, baby. Uh, I think we've got a picture of baby. Yeah, there's baby Micah. And so, y'all, I made that. <laughs> How good. And uh, so we're loving it. And she's the love of my life. Uh, both of them are the loves of my life. And uh, uh, I've been coming to Nations for a bit, so you probably know it's been a, it's been a half decade journey for us to have kids. And so... Yeah, when, when that baby came out, man, I, um, I can't talk about it too much. I'll just start crying, uh, but um, it's good. Although, parents, real quick, they don't warn you enough about that lack of sleep. <laughs> it's like 2 a.m., and you're like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, like, it's good. It keeps you humble. You're like, preach at Hillsong on Friday, and then Saturday morning at 3 a.m., you're stumbling through the house looking for a bottle, you know? <laughs> But um, you didn't come to hear about my troubles. You came to hear about Jesus. Uh, and so, but it's great to be with you. And uh, if you have a Bible, I'd love you to turn with me uh, to Genesis. Quite an easy book to find. Genesis. It's about halfway through. <laughs> We're going to go to Genesis chapter 15. It's going to be on the screen as well. Verse 1. Let's read it. It says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. <laughs> Good start to a prophetic word. It's like Corey Turner comes through here and just said, God's your reward. I'd be like, thank you, Lord. But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. 
Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household to be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Don't you love it when the word of the Lord comes to you, comes to your household? This man will not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and number the stars if you're able. The Lord said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Let's read one more verse and then we'll pray. Psalm 147, 4 says this. He counts the stars, he calls them all by name. He counts the stars, he calls them all by name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you're here. Lord, we don't want just a religious gathering. We want to encounter the God of heaven and earth. Jesus, would you meet with us? Would, you, would we all, myself included, walk out those doors into that beautiful foyer changed with revelation and understanding more of who you are? In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I want want to preach to you a sermon this morning called The Trouble with Tents. The Trouble with Tents. Now, just quickly, who here enjoys camping? I'm with you. Okay, not many. And I, 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 that doesn't surprise me because me and Pastor Ken are similar. Give us the good food, give us a good hotel, you know what I'm saying? Who here uh, hates camping? You're like, get away. I don't want to. Okay, about, and about 90% of you just didn't participate, which is fine. Um, (laughs) You're like, I don't care, bro. (laughs) Well, I hate camping, but my wife is trying to turn me into a camper. My darling wife, Anna, she has an agenda, and I believe it's from hell. (laughs) Last year, she said to me, babe, it was about Christmas time. Lord, help my voice. It was around Christmas time, and she goes, let's go to uh, a caravan park at the beach. And I said, why? (laughs) She said, I'll be nice. By the water, kind of rough it a bit. I said, no. She said, please. I said, why? I said, why would I want to leave my air-conditioned house with my fridge full of food, my functional toilet, a shower, my dog Zane, a PlayStation, (laughs) and go and live in a cloth house, do my business under the Lord outside, and have to like get 7-Eleven sausage rolls for dinner? She said, you don't have to do any of that. I said, I don't want to do it. And so we didn't do it. (laughs) Some of you were like, oh, but he was a good husband and he submitted and he, no, no, no. I took her to the Hilton, you know? (laughs) And so she wasn't complaining. And so the idea of tense is is interesting. And when we look at this, I guess, text, we see Abram, before he's Abraham, and we see him in a time where, where his tribe was nomadic, which means they moved around and they lived in tents. They actually, if you want the technical term, they lived in yurts, which is a fun word, isn't it? It means a tent made from cowhide. Learning this morning. <laughs> and so I just think that the text here is very interesting in that he's living in something and then God brings him out. Another confession I'm not Australian. I know I sound Australian. I sound like an Australian Batman this morning. But I know I sound Australian, but I'm, not, I'm actually from England. I'm from England. And, uh, which is a, which is a, but I've got the Aussie accent, which is a real shame. Because I want to tell you, our accent, and I can say this, I'm an Aussie, our accent is the worst. I'm serious. We sound like we're perpetually holding our nose. Like, listen to American news and then listen to ours. In America, it's like, I don't know. It's like, and today, you know, it's really not. And then you go to Aussie News, it's like, 
today, a shark was seen down at 80 Mile Beach and we just escaped with our lives. You know, it's not, it's not the best accent and it's also not the best accent for a preacher. The best accent for a preacher is American. I tell you, man, when those American preachers get up and they're like, God loves you, bro. You're like, he does love me. But when I say it, God loves you, bro. You're like, no, maybe. You know? If you want to be a powerful evangelist, you've got to be South African, you know? I tell you, right now, the power of God is coming into this auditorium. It's going to break chains up. My booty. And so it's powerful. But no, I was stuck with the Aussie accent. My biological mum had me when she was 16 years old, just outside of London in England. Is anyone here 16? Just checking. Probably not. Oh, there's one young man. Yep. Imagine giving birth to me, bro. I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> which you can't because you're a male but <laughs> and so so my mum was 16 and she got pregnant with me and my biological dad uh, you know didn't know if he wanted to be around for a kid and so he, he left her and, and, and it's so cool that my 16 year old mum she wasn't a believer but she gave me the chance at life you know and so for that reason I'm always so and because of scripture but I'm so pro-life because like I'm literally walking evidence of what can happen when you give a, a baby born in hard circumstances a chance at life and so I lived with a, so she left me at the hospital. She gave birth to me, left me at the hospital. A lady called Mary, uh, this is 1992, y'all. So there wasn't like all this paperwork and stuff. A lady called Mary in the Hackney area. Hackney was really dodgy, really full on, a lot of crime. She would caretake babies until they found a foster home. And so I stayed with a woman called Mary for, for about 12 months. And it's the 9 a.m. So, you know, we're all Bible scholars. I don't want to make too many comparisons, but you know, there was no room for me when I was born. I was raised by Mary, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I'm not, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just presenting the facts to you. And then I went to a foster home and I had a bunch of foster sisters. I think I had some brothers, but there was a lot of girls in that house. And so from the ages of, 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 of one to three, I was in this foster home in Hackney. And I love this home. This foster mum, she did a great job. She created a loving environment. The house was government housing and like the backyard was from here to the front row and there was bricks and literally like it was full on she bought us a duck to try and make things seem better we loved it man I shared a room with three foster sisters and they listened to the Spice Girls and plays with troll dolls and so I've got tr deep embedded trauma <laughs> and I'm kidding I actually love shopping it's awesome but one day Cheryl comes to me the foster mom and she says Freddie there's a couple coming tomorrow for a trial day now you need to hear me trial days they don't do this anymore for psychological reasons. But in 1992 in England, you could just have a day with an orphan and see if they fit. You know how, yeah, I know it's a bit heavy, but it's, I've worked through it, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you know, you go to the store and you try some jeans on, you're like, I look great, I'm killing it. And you get home and you're like, what happened? Did I gain 40 kilos when I left the shop? And so what do you do? You just take the jeans back. And so... I knew that there was a trial day. I was only young, but I kind of understood that this was a big deal. The next day, hear this knock at the door, go downstairs, and there's this skinny man with red hair and wireframe glasses, and he's young, and his wife's standing there, and she's in like Nike gear with Nike shoes. I still remember Nike uh, runners with curly laces. And the first thing I said to her was, I like your shoes. And so we went out for the day. And I think, I think team, we got a picture of, of, of those, that couple and me in a pram when I was little. I think we got that just to help engage. Look, there's me. 
dude, I know, just a little orphan rocking the hat, you know? I love it. People don't know what to do when I say the word orphan, but I was, and it's fine, and God's good. It's relaxed. And so we went out to a park called Hyde Park, and then they took me to their, uh, their suburb, which was called Cheam. Now, you have to understand something. I want, as I paint this picture for you, you have to understand the difference between Hackney and Cheam. Okay, in Hackney, man, it's the hood, okay? It's government housing. There's crime. If you look at someone wrong in Hackney, they're gonna look at you and go, you're right, mate, you wanna have a bubble. Like, it's full on. But in Cheam, <laughs> they're like, what did he just say? I don't know. <laughs> in Cheam, it's very different. Everyone talks like this, stands like this. Everyone's very happy about their social economic status. They have tea and crumpets in the evening. Everything's jolly good. And so we went there and we go into this house and we pull up into this thing I'd never seen before. I'm like, what's this? They're like, this is a driveway. Like, Whoa, this is crazy. Government housing doesn't have driveways. So we went inside and they're showing me around this house. They take me out to the garden. I was like, what is this garden? At the time, this, this gentleman was a, was a chef and so there was basil and vines. And I was like, this is like Narnia. This is awesome. You know, do you have a spare oom? Like, this is great. And so they walk around and they show me this room, right? This is crazy. Where all the food lives. I was like, what's this? Like, it's a pantry. I'm like, who lives here? They're like, the garlic. <laughs> I'm like, this is nuts. Your food lives better than me. Went outside, there was this big thing filled with water. I'm like, what's that? They're like, oh, it's like a swimming pool. I'm like, what's it for? They're like, for fun. I'm like, what's a fun? <laughs> I love when people are like, oh. <laughs> And so we have the best day. I feel the spirit of adoption coming upon me. But then the day comes to the end and they take me home and, you know, thanks, Freddie, that was a great day. I like walk in, I'm like, you know how young kids walk? <laughs> and I remember in my bed that night, I'm only three and a bit, but I'm sitting there and I suddenly didn't like acne anymore. Like, we had, no joke, we had like metal bars on our windows. It's like a moonlit night, the moon was out and it's like, I looked and there was like these shadows of bars. I'm like, I'm incarcerated. <laughs> I go to the window, I start singing. Somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. But what had happened? Because before that day, I loved Hackney. Hackney was great. Hackney was my home. Hackney was my normal. Hackney was my life. But... See, something happens to our normal when we experience something better. Something happens to our view of what is good when we experience something that is actually good. You see, what had happened is Rob and Heather Porter, who two weeks later did adopt me and became my parents and, and got me saved and I was in the household of faith and God turned things around because He's that good. Amazing, praise God. Is they showed me a better way of living. You see, I have a sneaking suspicion. This is why we do everything we do in church. We don't just do church so we can sit in this amazing, amazing auditorium. I'm fine, shut up. <laughs> we don't do church so we can look at this LED screen even though it's beautiful and I am gonna take it home tomorrow morning on the plane. We do church to expose the non-believer and the believer to a better way of living. We do church so we can say, hey, come up higher, come up higher. You don't have to live like that. It's like young people, I have this, this passion to show young people good food. I'm not in youth or young adult ministry anymore, but young people in Brisbane are idiots. They think grilled is like a good meal. Man, I can feel Pastor Ken rolling over there in Manila. 
I'm telling you, it's not a good meal. I love getting young couples and stuff over. I make them, I'm telling you, man, this isn't even part of my message, but I'm getting pumped on this, Shannon. I like get, man, a tomahawk steak. I season that thing. I get some potatoes and I cook them in duck fat. I get some asparagus and tomato. And my favourite thing is watching them when they start eating it. My friend Brad once was like, I didn't know food could taste like this. You know what else I love? I love being in church and seeing someone who's been oppressed and depressed and anxious for the presence of God come on them and go, I didn't know I could feel like this. I didn't know life could feel like this. I didn't know I could be free. And so quickly, if we go back to our text, we see Abram in a similar position. Let's look at the details of this story, see what we can pick up. The passage starts with the phrase, after these things. What is it after? This is after 10 to 15 years of seemingly unfulfilled promises. After these things. Abram was old. Sarah, his wife, was old. But this isn't the first time he had a prophetic word. Three chapters ago, God takes him up to the hill at Shechem, remember? And he says, look, as far as you can see from the east, southwest, as far as your eye can see, I'll give it to you. So he's had words. He's had words. He's, God said, you're going to be a father many times. I, have, you, have you ever been there? Where you've had word after word and nothing's changing. Where you're like at conference and you're like, if Corey calls me out, I'm a punch him. If I'm gonna get another word, I'm a scream. I'm sick of people telling me life's gonna get better. I'm sick of people prophesying that I'm gonna. Do you know what I'm saying? Can we be honest this morning? Sometimes it's like we get words about things and our entire life seems to run away from the word. A prophet's like, you're gonna be rich. And then we like go bankrupt. We're like, what is happening? Someone's like, God's going to bring friends around you. You're going to feel so enclosed in community. Papa's going to love you. Or your friends like move to Botswana. <laughs> You're like, what, what is going on? Can I say there's something that happens in the middle, in between the word and the fulfillment is us getting ready and having the character sustain the fulfillment that's coming. And so Abram is there and he's, he's, he's got an attitude with God. How do you know he's got an attitude with God? Just picture this. Picture tomorrow morning, Monday morning. You wake up. The angel of the Lord, which in the Old Testament often meant the voice of God or the person of God, is at the end of your bed. You'd be like... (sighs) Quickly put some clothes on. (laughs) I don't know about you, I'd probably like fall on my knees or something. Sing holy forever playing a keyboard, I don't know. Abram goes, what good are all your promises? Whoa, Debbie Downer, the audible voice of God is speaking to him and he says, what good are your promises? I love stories like this in the Bible because it gives me hope. Because how many of us have been in church services where people are getting set free, free delivered? How many of us have testimony after testimony, truckloads of testimonies of God's goodness, but in the now we're like, what good are all your promises? You're not coming through for me. Isn't it interesting that the man that would become the father of nations was holding out for one baby? Our friend, can I tell you, that thing you're waiting for, you gotta dream a bit bigger. I just need that kid, I just need that one thing. Oh no, if you would allow God, if you would believe in him, if you would stay the course. This is something we don't talk about enough in church. We talk a lot about believe and achieve and a turn up. Imagine a sermon series called Wait. No one would come. Hey church, I'm just so excited. 
We're going to do six weeks on waiting and not seeing God move. Not an exciting series, but a very relevant one. So I want to grab three points from this story. And then I want to pray for everyone. Not everyone. There's not enough time. There's too many of you. Number one, it's time to get out of the tent. What paradigm have you been stuck in? It says that the word of God came down. Aren't you thankful? This isn't part of my message, but aren't you thankful that God came down? We are like the only faith system on earth that believes that our God came down into our stinking thinking, into our attitude, into our childishness. God could just like magnifying glass it with an ant and be like, shut up. But he does and he goes, I'm, I'm gonna come down into your pain. I'm gonna come down into your situation, into your hurt, into your anxiety. He comes down and he says, hey, Abram. Abram's like, what? He's like, come outside. Come outside. Let's just, just quickly. He's, he's getting him out of the tent. Now, as I found out, 15 minutes ago, none of you like camping, which is good because camping's the worst. And we, most of us live in homes. But the tent represents here. The tent represents our thinking. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What have you been caught in? (laughs) Some of you have been caught in the same thinking for 20 years. I believe God's gonna help you get out this morning. I went to Wet n Wild once. Wet n Wild is a water park in the Gold Coast in Queensland. And I was in year 12. And one of my mates had a license. He's like, I'm going to pick you up in the morning. I was like, I got you. He's like, I'm going to be there at eight. And so I went to bed and I was a teenager. So I slept in and my mate was beeping his horn and I woke up and I was like, oh gosh. And so I couldn't find my, my boardies anywhere. So I did what any rational young person does. I got scissors and I cut my jeans <laughs> and I made jorts because I'm a fashion icon. And so I went to Wet n Wild in jorts and a salmon singlet from Cotton On. I was ready. And I had Havanas. Remember when everyone was wearing Havana thongs? Man, I was smoking, I'm telling you. And we went to Wet n Wild. We had the best day. But I want to tell you something. Denim and water parks don't mix. I also want to say something. I want to be very careful because this is the Lee's house. And more importantly, it's God's house. I want to be careful. This is the 9 a.m. I don't want to be crass or rude in the house of God. But your boy, your boy's thick. Okay, your boy has thighs. I'm telling you, I've got a Kim Kardashian anointing. When I run, my thighs fellowship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like my thighs are like the two old ladies at the back of the church that intercede, Mary and Helen. And they just, you know, that when they get going, fire starts. Like I'm telling you. <laughs> and so I got to about 3 p.m. And I was in so much pain. I was running around wet and wild like this. I was like, guys, quickly, let's go to Terry Cat in. <laughs> and at about four o'clock, I couldn't take it anymore. And so I went to the bathroom. I'm like, what is going on? And once again, I want to be careful because we're in the house of God. But I took my jorts down and no exaggeration, I was bleeding. (laughs) Those shorts were such a bad fit and they were so not right for me that I started bleeding. Now I'm going to make a really hard exegetical leap. (laughs) You're thinking... Your depression, your bitterness, your unforgiveness towards your family, your mum, your dad, the thing that happened, your distrust of the church, your distrust and disappointment with God, it's not right for you, it doesn't fit you, and it's going to make you bleed. It's going to make you bleed. Take it off, man. So many of us, yes, I'm using an example of me chafing to encourage you to get free. That's all I got. 
But come on, you hear what I'm saying? We've got to get out of the tent. If the devil can't dis, uh, make you not believe in God, he'll distract you from the destiny God's given you. Many of us are never going to stop believing in God. We know him, we love him, but he, the devil will do anything. He's a jerk. He will try and get us off course with any means possible. You've got to step out of that thinking, man. Number two, God knows the name and number of the stars. He hasn't forgotten yours. He takes Abram outside and he's like, Dude, do you ever read the Bible and you're like, God is cheeky. He takes Abram out and he's like, hey, Abram. Abram's like, what? Probably hoping that God's going to say, you will have a child by this time next week. In Jesus' name. He doesn't. He goes, see the stars? Yeah. Count them. I'm like really literal, so I would have been like, yes, sir. One, two, three. Oh, damn it. One, two. What was God doing? God was not trying to increase Abram's arithmetic. He was trying to remind him that he's a big God. He was trying to remind him, hey, that's where your help comes from. Hey, I put the stars in the sky. You think a fertility issue is gonna stop me? I'm a big God. I'm gonna talk about this more tonight in a sermon called The 212s. You should come back tonight. But there is nothing that sits outside of the jurisdiction and authority of Jesus. And God's just reminding Abram, hey, Abram, I'm, I'm legit. My arm's not too short. Sometimes it can be so easy in a room of hundreds like this to feel so alone. If only I could get another word. If only someone would see me. If only someone, and as, a, as churches globally, we can do better at welcoming and including and not having clicks and all that stuff. But really, at the end of the day, our sufficiency is found in Christ. Jesus is enough. If Brother Keyboard could come and join me, that would be amazing. Also, I don't know who that guy is, but he is a minstrel. He is a modern day bard. My goodness. It's a few moments. I was just down there with my warm water for my voice and Brother was playing and I was just, that's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) It was amazing. But Jesus is enough. I'm almost done. You with me still? And uh, it was about probably three or four years into our fertility journey. And uh, I've seen God do a lot of things. I've preached all over the world. And it didn't worry me that we hadn't fallen pregnant yet. Until it did. And I'll tell you why it did. I started seeing many couples that couldn't have kids. I'd lay hands on them and they'd have kids. Happened once. Twice, three times, four times, five. Got to about seven or eight times and I went to my office. I closed the door. And I said, hey God, um, it's me, it's Fred. How you doing? Uh, hope you haven't forgotten me. I feel like I had a Shunammite woman moment with God. And I was like, um, I-, I love that you're letting the miracle come through me, but I'd love if you could make it happen to me. And then this is what happens. I started spiraling a bit. I was like, because I wanted to be a dad. I didn't want to be a dad in my 30s. I wanted to be a dad, a young dad, a young, hip, in-shape dad. The Lord was like, you ain't in shape anyway. I'm like, Lord, shush. I was like, this is painful. But, you know, in all seriousness, seeing my wife go through the fertility treatments and have to put needles in her stomach and cry and her hormones moving around. And, 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 and this doesn't seem like the faith journey. I, I, I thank you that you're sending me to Hillsong and to big churches and you're opening doors and... 
but, but I, I just want a kid. And how come it's seeming to happen to everyone else but me? And I felt the hand of God touch my shoulder. And he did not say, you will have a child next week. In fact, we didn't fall pregnant for two more years. But this is what he said. He said, son, am I not enough? I said, what? Excuse me? He said, am I not enough? If you never have a child, am I not enough? Was the cross not enough? I said, that's not fair. You've given me words. Like, desiring kids is a good thing. He's like, am I not enough? Something changed in my relationship with God that day. I decided that if He never did another miracle, that if I never got to preach on a big stage, if me and Anna never biologically had kids, He was enough. That's what counting the stars will do. It'll remind you, God, you're big. God, you're good. You're not the waiter in the sky taking my order. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And when life is good, I'll praise you. And when it's not, I'll praise you. It makes me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. They say, hey, great king. They're in the furnace. They're about to be burnt up if they don't worship a false god. And they said, great king, God will deliver us. Right? All the Pentecostals are like, amen. And then they say one of my favourite things in all of Scripture. But even if He does not, we will not bow. Translation, even if He doesn't save me from my present circumstance, He saved my eternity. Even if I don't see the healing, the miracle and the breakthrough, He did enough on the cross. Even if I never get to stand and testify to something happening on earth, I'll stand before Him in heaven. And don't get me wrong, I'm a faith guy. I believe that there's needs in this place. We're gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna stand together in faith and believe that you're gonna be set free. Believe that the provision will happen. But even if that doesn't happen today, we will not bow to the spirit of the age. We will not bow to anxiety and depression. We will not bow to what our family says. We won't bow. We won't bow to lethargy. We won't bow to church hurt, disappointment and offence. We will stand. It says in the Word of God, when you've done all else, stand. God knows the name and number of stars. He hasn't forgotten yours. Number three, last point. The limitless sky is our portion. We see Abram go on to become Abraham and literally become the father of nations. Him and Sarah have a biological child together in their 90s. Praise God. Sarah is a hero. It's amazing. And I believe that for all of us, if we would step out of the tent of fear and doubt and our mindsets, our natural thinking, what could God do with us? What could God do in us and through us? I was at City Point a few years ago, <clears throat> preaching at their youth ministry band. You can come, you're already here. That was amazing. This is like Jedi, it just teleported in. Uh, it was when brothers started playing the keyboard, they just appear. And I was preaching and I was preaching a sermon called Jesus, the Compassionate Healer. You've got to be careful what you preach. Because sometimes then you've got to like show up. <laughs> so I preach this sermon about Jesus and the, the lepers and I'm willing and I'm able. And this girl comes up to me and she's got Converse on and one of them's a platform Converse and one of them's not. And she goes, excuse me. I said, hello, sweetheart. She said, you said, I love kids. You said, 
Jesus is a healer. I said, I did. I'm like warming up for a headache. I'm like, come on. She's like, I was born with one leg shorter than the other. And I got to wear these shoes. They're really uncomfortable. And um, you said Jesus heals. And so I'm just wondering, can he make my leg grow? I was like, um, yeah, I guess. Like, I'm not Ben Fitzgerald. I'm not like the leg grow out guy. I'm like the pray for your headache after you've had two Nurofen and some water. You know what I mean? And then an hour later, I'm like, God's healed you. Glory to God. Put it on Insta story. You know what I mean? And so I didn't know what to do. So I just did what I saw Todd White do in videos. I was like, come sit down on the front row. So she sits down and I was like, take your shoes off. So she took her shoes off and I got some passes. I'm like, come and help me. And so we start praying. I'm just gonna be super honest with you nations. I was like, nothing's gonna happen. But I'll do the classic, right? Can we be honest this morning? I was like, we'll do the, just go and sleep and see what happens. <laughs> and so we're praying. And after about five minutes, I feel like pressure pushing back on my hand. And she looks at me and she goes, I think Jesus is healing me. And I'm like, so we keep praying. And I'm talking like her leg was like that much shorter. She stands up barefoot, completely the same way. Looks at me. Wait, looks at me and goes, oh, isn't Jesus awesome? And runs off. I was like, what is happening? A couple of minutes later, we can give Jesus praise in a second, but a couple of minutes later, this mum comes in. She's a Christian. She's walking around. And she goes, where's the preacher? City Point staff immediately sell me out. Like over there. I was like, great hosting guys. She comes up to me. I feel like all the mums are gonna, gonna feel this. She said, did you pray for my daughter? I said, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Mum and bears are scary, man. She goes, well, I dropped her off at this, this conference event thing and she had a leg issue and she's gotten in the car and she's shown me that her legs are now the same size. I said, I, you're welcome. I don't... She says this, she goes, well, I am a believer. Every mum's about to testify. She goes, it's just been a big week. It's a lot to process. <laughs> I was like, wow. And so I gave her a hug and she started crying. And we went out to like her four wheel drive and we're like chatting. But God wants to take you into a space you wouldn't anticipate or expect. God wants to take you and it might not be preaching at a church. It might be preaching at Coles. It might not be doing stuff in a leather jacket. Who cares? I'm a bit of an overweight idiot. Don't be inspired by me. Be inspired by what God could do with your yes. Be inspired by God could do with your, hey, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm leaving the tent. I'm gonna give this a go. I don't know if we've got a picture of Martin. I might've put that on tonight's slide. Just me and a guy at a car dealership. If you don't have that, all good. I'll just tell the story anyway. Three, two, one, don't have it, it's all good, we'll show it tonight. But I went and got a new car last week. Me and my wife just had a baby and we were rocking like little Corollas and I-30s. I was like, all right, it's time to get a better car. And so, so I walked into Tesla and no, <laughs> I walked into MG in the demo section. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I got a, I, I need a new car. And this guy comes out, he goes, hey mate, my name's Martin. I said, hi Martin. And I was looking bad. You'll, you'll see if you come back tonight. I got a photo of it, but I was in like, I just come from the gym. So I was in like shorts and singlet and slides. And he goes, mate, come into my office. Let's uh, see what we can do for you. So we go into the office and I'm wary, right? Because car salesman. And we go in there and uh, if you're a car salesman here, we love you. And uh, he looks at me, closes the door, sits down and just stares at me. 
It's like, what's going on? This is like last Tuesday. <clears throat> he goes, I died once. I said, what? <laughs> he said, I died once. It was in New Zealand. I had a heart attack. They had to bring me back with defibrillators. I said, okay. He goes, mate, I think there might be a God. I said, me too, but what is happening? He goes, well, mate, leans back. I was like, oh, okay, we're like settling in. I just came for a car, you know what I'm saying? This is the thing though. You chase Jesus, the rest will chase you. And so he leans back and he goes, yeah, mate, well, when I died, I was in this black room. He's like, it's hard to explain, but I felt dread underneath me, dread and fear, but I felt hope and peace in front of me. Yeah. I said, Martin, why are you telling me this? He goes, I don't know, mate, just the moment you walked in, I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd understand. He's like, no one believes me. I said, Lord, what is, what is happening? He goes, and I thought he was gonna say, pray for Martin, pray for, I'm so sorry, it is 700 degrees. Let's talk amongst yourselves for a second. <laughs> Feel free to just ring it out. Um, oh, it's so much better. <laughs> 11 a.m., you're getting just a shirt. Um, and so God goes, call out His prophetic gifting. I said, Lord, one, he, I don't even know if he's a Christian. Two, that's super hectic. Three, I just want a car. I said, Martin, I think you might have a, a prophetic gift. Martin goes, what's that? I said, well, that's when you, God gives you foresight and you see things and it's like your spirit man begins to tell you things. He begins to talk for 10 minutes about prophetic encounters he's had since he was a child. He's about 60 years old. Stuff that happened with his grandma, stuff that happened with his parents, stuff that happened all through his life. God goes, now you can pray for him. I said, Martin, I'd love to pray with you. <laughs> Martin goes, I would love that. Stands up, leaves his office, and you'll see tonight on the photo, if you come, different sermon, you should come. Stands on the showroom floor. I said, Martin. <laughs> Martin, what are, you, what are you doing? He looks back and goes, if hey, we're gonna do it, mate, we should do it in front of people. Yeah, you can clap. You didn't have to go out onto the showroom floor. <laughs> I literally wanted to be like, good brick in here, Martin. <laughs> so I sort of, we kind of compromised. We weren't on the showroom floor. We weren't in his office. We were in like this corridor, which people were walking through. It was the worst. And so I stood there and I said, Martin, I just want to pray for you, mate. I just want to, you know, do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Saviour? He said, I think so. I said, well, let's pray that together. So we prayed that together and then I said, I'm just gonna, can I put my hand on your shoulder? I'm just gonna pray for the presence of God. He said, what do I do? I said, do whatever comes naturally. He goes, okay. So I start praying for him. He starts crying. I start crying. I'm in flip-flops. I didn't get a good deal on the car. <laughs> but Martin gave his heart to the Lord. Praise God, hey? Praise God. And so we're gonna come into a time of of ministry, but just before we do, I just wanna give, I guess, a Martin moment to this auditorium. You might not know Jesus. I'm not asking if you go to church or if you were baptised as a kid or if your parents were Christian or if you used to go to, I'm, I'm asking, do you know Jesus? 
Do you have an active living relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.